Okay, this is Gary Parrish again from CBSSports.com. Again, it is Monday, uh, September 22nd, which doubles as a mostly quiet time in college basketball. Uh, still, I, I hope we can find something to talk about. Matt Norlander's recent trip to Italy, if nothing else. So Norlander and Borzello, yeah. uh, that's young Jeff Borzello, have been nice enough to agree to join me <laughs> for another I Own College Basketball podcast, which... Uh, of course, it's brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, uh, go to squarespace.com slash Sports and use the offer code FUN. Now watch this segue. Speaking of fun, Jeff Porzello, how are you? I'm great. You call me young? You're you say young. young. I like that. No, no, I like that. I was. I, I appreciate it. You're younger than me. You're younger than Norlander. That makes I am. You, that makes you the youngest of this uh, podcast. That works. If I'm I, late. If, I'm late twenty, so I feel old. But God, yeah, I'd love to be late. To, hey, hey, listen. <laughs> if there's anything I can teach you, uh, late twenties is is uh, is more it's interesting. The prime. It's yeah. It really is the prime. All right. I mean, I'll yeah. tell you. I, I just it's it's tough because like I'm closer to thirty than I am to college. So like that's it was tough for me to acclimate to that. Dude, I'm closer to forty than I am. Late twenties, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, so uh, uh, no, the late twenties actually are your prime because you've 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 got presumably you 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 know you got a little money in your pocket because you've got a real job and stuff, and yet you're still not the oldest dude in the club if you happen to go to the club. So like, enjoy the late twenties. All right, all right, I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. I'll write it down. <laughs> Matt Norlander, how's your thirties going? My thirties are going. Uh, they're going well, actually. I mean, there's a few things going on here. I have no running water. Well, well, that seems, that seems ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, it's 2014. Where did you move? Yeah, exactly. You, do you, oh, hold on. Let me, ask you, let me ask you a couple questions. Yeah. Is it still 2014? It's 2014, okay, and I am cool. not in uh, Ethiopia right next now. Next question in, would be, do you still live in the United States of America? I do, actually. What yes. has happened to where you have no running water? Well, uh, I, went to, uh, I went to the Cape, as uh, Northeasterners call it. I went to Cape Cod this weekend for a buddy's bachelor party golf weekend. That was good stuff. Enjoyed it plenty. Um, and I come home and uh, like woke up yesterday morning. After a long day of golf and dinner and poker into the night, and I was yeah, like, sounds, "All right, let's just tough, yeah. uh, thirty-six <laughs> holes, thirty-six. That'll that'll wear on you." Yeah. And uh, so woke up. I was like, "You know what? Let's just go get a nice breakfast. Drive home. I'll shower when I get home." And I'm like so ready to shower when I walk in the door, and I go, <laughs> I go to turn. My wife isn't home at the time because she was she was out doing stuff, and um, so I walk in and there's no there's no running water period and uh it's a sunday you know the the city of norwalk connecticut's water offices aren't exactly open i call the police they don't know what's going on <laughs> you call the call police, the police? you, you call 911 to tell you no water <laughs> what would the police know about your running water why All would right. you call Here's, the police i cannot as i was instructed I, I called the police because i was instructed because you call the you call the city of norwalk's water offices and they say if you can't get anyone Please call the police and they give you a specific number where the police can inform you. So that's <laughs> that's what I did. You called and the nine one number to tell me you had no water. No, I did not. Nine one one. What's your emergency? My water <laughs> pre- my water pressure is really poor right now. No, it, it's it, well. No, it's not poor. It's non-existent. So okay. like, how does this even happen? So what do you do? Like, I don't even understand it. Like, are, problem, are, hey, let, let me ask you. I know you went to Italy. Uh, recently did you like did you overspend and now you can't pay your water bill listen if you need help let me know i can wire you something 
Uh, well, I'll, I'll always take Western that. Western Union and some uh, money? No, I, I, we rent. We don't own, so we don't actually pay the water bill. But I did for a quick second think, oh, my God, did my landlord not pay the freaking water bill? But I called him. He didn't know what was up. Then I went to my neighbor's. Uh, who I'd never met. They live a floor below us. And uh, the, a movie was playing, the light was off, and the guy had a girl over, and I was like, I'm so sorry, dude, but do you have water? And he's like, nope, we haven't had it for like four hours. What in the world? What is happening? Long story short, some like, dude... It feels like, uh, like an episode of The Leftovers. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't seen the show, but uh, yeah, it is kind of it's kind of freaky. So a dude so drive... what did the FBI say when you called them? Uh, actually, that is, I'm going to do that when I get off this podcast. It's calling CIA to... <laughs> uh, if I don't have any water by about 6 p.m. tonight, I'm going to call Obama, see what I can do. But uh, I did actually That's have... That's probably it. why that dude tried to break into the White House on Friday. He, <laughs> he, probably, he lived in Norwalk and he, had no... He lived, he, lived, he lived downstairs from Norlander, and he just wanted to try... He figured the White House, if no, if no place else on Earth had water, you'd figure the White House might. So he's just trying to break in and get a shower. Well, the... The uh, the resolution, which isn't still resolved, is uh, a dude came like way late last night, turned on our water, so I showered, woke up this morning to no water again, oh, no. and then my landlord called me about 10 minutes before we started this podcast and said, one of the other units in my little condo association, a plumber like really busted a line, oh, flooded an entire like building, and they shut it off, and the fire department should be arriving at some point today, so hopefully that'll happen during this podcast, uh, sirens and all, because that'll be that'll be a joy. This is so, exactly what happened, basically. At, fingers at, crossed at, at Polly Pavilion. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm is, basically living yep. uh, a situation of Polly. But when you don't have water, okay, then that's some third world. Tell us what you go through without water, man. Yeah. That, I mean, there's, there's you, you've got you've got two toilets and a flusher piece. First of all, okay, ooh, ooh. If we want to get there. Well, you gotta go. Out. You're gonna have to go. Are you outside. kidding me? If either of you chaps did not have water, you'd be freaking out. You'd be checking into a hotel by now. It would be I would, over. I would never not have water. You're, you call it chaps? Yeah, yeah for, you're for, chaps. <laughs> for, <laughs> I want chaps right there. Uh, for, uh, yeah, of course, like you take all of that stuff. For, we all do. We take it all for oh, granted. Yeah. The stuff we have, like the idea that you used to have to walk like five miles to like get water out of a well, so that you could like take a. Uh, and then light, and then you'd have to light it on fire so that you could take a warm bath. It's just bananas, considering like where like now I have like special shower heads, massaging shower heads in my walk through shower. You know, it's all stupid. But uh, yeah, there's no way I could go without water. Like like for like very basic reasons. Forget about like can't even brush my teeth right now. Oh my god, I can I cannot do I can't do a podcast with somebody. Who you you haven't brush. brushed your teeth all morning? You know how gross that is? Go buy a bunch of bottles of water or something and brush your teeth to that. Seriously, I would have figured something out by now if I were I'm you. hoping the fire department's here by noon and uh, we get a situation resolved here. If but, you uh, need me to cash you in some Marriott points at the local <laughs> residence inn, let me know, okay? My my wife already bailed. She She's like, I'm going to my parents' place. She left. She took the dog and she left. I was like, I can't go. I got to do a pot. She left at like 9.30. Dude. I was like, I got to do a podcast at 10. We're not going to be there in time. Dude, a tech, like, I'm a, out. A text like, message right. would have been, hey, hey. Uh, we could have pushed, yeah, we, we pushed this back. It's like, it, it, quite clearly, we have nothing to talk about. So we could have pushed this back at it, to any point. Go brush your teeth when we get through with this, okay? Like, I, even if I you will. Have to, like, even if you have to go to a gas station or something. Like, I can't, <laughs> That's... I can't deal with you not having your teeth brushed. They will be brushed. Don't worry. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So I Let's... guess the uh, the big story uh, most recently, uh, given that again we're in September, and there's not much going on in college basketball, is that um, the, the stories have to be manufactured, right? And so 
Uh, one was that after Mike Krzyzewski won another gold medal in another international event, leading USA, Team USA, um, our buddy, Adrian Wojnowski uh, from uh, Yahoo Sports, wrote a column uh, basically suggesting that at this point, the only person who benefits um, from the way the NBA players are competing on the international level is Mike Krzyzewski, and by extension, the the Duke program. Coach K took a seemingly great offense to this because he held a press conference. Uh, I don't know if it was designed to to address this um, exactly, but he certainly ended up addressing it. And he said, uh, first off, um, everything is ridiculous. I didn't manufacture uh, photo ops with Paul George to aid in recruiting, which, again, was suggested at least loosely in the, in, in the column. And... Uh, more interesting was he said, I do not benefit on the recruiting trail by coaching USA basketball in any real way. Uh, this, I, I guess, came after Jim Beheim, his assistant uh, with USA basketball and, of course, the Hall of Fame coach at Syracuse, had said that, yes, he had heard this I, this theory before and and that John Calipari, the Kentucky coach, had complained about it to USA Basketball and privately uh, to him. So we got a whole bunch of stuff going on here. One is the idea that USA Basketball, the only person benefiting from the current setup is Duke and Mike Krzyzewski. The other is John Calipari, at least according to Jim Beheim, complaining about it despite the fact that he once coached the Dominican Republic national team, which led to uh, him getting a commitment from Carl Towns, who happened to be a part of, of that team. Let, let's start with a, a very uh, easy issue, I think. And I, honestly, I think it's one we addressed in one of our candid coaches thing, either last year or the year before. Right. Mike Krzyzewski coaching USA basketball. Is there any doubt that he gets a recruiting advantage because of that? To me, that like seems like it's not even a discussion. I, yeah, clearly, clearly I, he gets an advantage from it. Yeah, I, I think he does, and I don't. Like to me, I don't know why he had to deny it. You know, like to me, it's it's clearly, and I think he deserves to have an advantage. I mean, he it's not like he was just handed the USA basketball job, you know, based on nothing. I mean, he's won championships. He's put guys in the pros. He's you know respected by you know all levels of basketball. So to me. You know, you know there is an advantage. He shouldn't have to deny that there was an advantage, and and he deserves it. And it's it's undoubtedly helped him. Um, obviously, he's coached uh, certain USA basketball kids, but his assistant coaches and other guys that have been in USA basketball at other age levels, Sean Miller, Tony Bennett, guys like that, they've gotten you know USA basketball kids too. So you know, I, I do think that, and it's pretty obvious. It's it's hard to really argue against it that there is an advantage coaching USA basketball. But you know, to me, you know, the guys that are coaching USA basketball have earned the right. Uh, to have that advantage of earn the right to coach USA basketball. Norlander, no doubt he gets an advantage, right? Uh, definitely gets an advantage. It's you know pretty much an accepted accepted as fact within college basketball circles. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff from this. I mean, this was actually almost the the perfect kind of story for college basketball because it involved the two biggest names in the sport and maybe the three biggest if you want to th- say Beheim is right there with uh, Calipari and Chesky. Um they had Beheim was defending Krzyzewski, which you'd expect, and they had some numbers to back that up just in pure terms of since they've been with USA basketball and they've worked with these kids hands on or they've been around them. They have not chosen to go to those specific schools, uh, being Duke and Syracuse and whatnot. But there's no doubt um, that there is a correlation between Krzyzewski joining USA basketball and 
and Duke kind of regaining its steam and its gait since he uh, since he took over in 2006. But as a counter, I did I, mean, I did look up 247 Sports specifically into the, uh, the the claim that you know he gets this huge advantage and Calipari's issue with it, and only uh, with the 2014 class since Calipari got to Kentucky did Shashevsky have a higher rated class. And in a few of those times, I mean, Duke was 22nd. They were 19th. They were 8th. They've had some good ones, 2, 3, and 2, no doubt about it. But Kentucky's been number one or number two every single time since um, since Cal got there. So the uh, the complaining from Cal is a little rich. He did not, by the way, you know, he went to Twitter, at, which was, you know, to be fully expected after this really got steam last week and kind of wanted to clarify. But he didn't deny in any sort of sense that he had ever gone to USA Basketball and, and spoken to others about his issues with Krzyzewski's advantage, which just, I mean, it's just ludicrous. I mean, it's Cal. I mean, it, as if he needs any any more of an advantage. He's the best recruiter in the game, and, and rightfully so. So I don't understand why he would even have an issue with that. We all know he wants to coach Team USA Basketball. Um, but I, I found it all kind of funny and interesting and kind of an unnecessary story by Wojnarowski, who obviously knows his stuff and is... Uh, the most respected NBA writer, uh, without a doubt, and he's got tremendous ties. But it just seemed like a random, um, something of a hit job against Shashevsky. But it was just as much against USA Basketball and its, you know, internal structure and what it's doing there as well. So the Calipari aspect of this was, uh, I, I guess, added another prong to the story. And uh, it, which, by the way, Jim Beheim kind of dropped out of nowhere. Sure. Like, Cal wasn't even part of Wojnarowski's column whatsoever. And then Syracuse.com talks to Beheim, and the final graph of that story is the only person I know that's ever complained about <laughs> this kind of thing, by the way, is John Calipari. Hey, listen, that is exactly the way John would do it. Like, he would never say it publicly in a direct way. He would, he would either, if he said it publicly, he would, he would, he would infer something more than say it directly. More likely, he would do his complaining privately. That's just the way John operates, for better or worse. Like, that's just him, right? It doesn't, like, uh, having known the guy for a long, long time and, and, and been around him, uh, you know, every day for four years when I was his beat writer um, at the Commercial Pill newspaper, that is that is the way he operates, right? So it, it it doesn't surprise me that he had complained about it privately because he's always complaining about things privately. It, 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 it It's like he needs motivation and, like, he needs battles, whether they're public or private battles. He 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 runs off of that stuff. Um, that said, I completely agree with what his complaint would be in in terms of Mike Krzyzewski is getting a recruiting advantage by working with USA Basketball and, and, and essentially running USA Basketball. You know, getting a Plumlee on the Team USA suggests Mike Krzyzewski is running USA Basketball, right? And mm-hmm. so um, if John's point is... Mike gets an advantage, and he has access to kids in a way, even young kids, not just LeBron and Kevin Durant. Because it's one thing to use those guys as recruiting tools, which he does. I mean, I've I've heard stories of, um, you know, when Mike Krzyzewski was recruiting Austin Nichols uh, to Duke. You know, Austin would get text messages like, "Hey, you know, I'm was just talking to Kobe, and you know, it's like all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, you know, it, it's it, it it works, and it should he should do all that stuff, but." But he does use the Kobe's and the Durant's and the LeBron's as recruiting tools, as he should. Um, the 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 thing to me, you know, that that and then John also said about you know, and he also gets access to like under nineteen kids because he'll go speak to them and that matters. And so if John's point was, or anybody's point was, 
That is a recruiting advantage. I'd say, of course it is. I can't argue with that. The idea that that complaint would come from John Calipari, though, seems a little silly given that he famously coached the Dominican team and gained access to Carl yeah. Towns, who became the number one high school prospect, or at least one of them, in the, in the, in the class of 2014, the national, I think, Gatorade High School Player of the Year, and is now a freshman at Kentucky. So, like, honest to God, like, literally the last person on the planet who should be complaining about access, um, about using a national team to gain access to recruits mm-hmm. is John Calipari, which I just found to be hilarious. It was, uh, and I also heard that, you know, there was just uh, some minor complaints with Krzyzewski being around the under-19 team a couple times when that wasn't the team that he was coaching. So it was almost like, hey, I'm part of USA Basketball, I'm going to drop in, see these guys, get a look at them, and it's like, well, you're the coach of the national team. Like you know, that, I think there was a little bit of that, and I think that's partly what Wojnarowski's column was indirectly getting at. Sure. Um, so I think that's a lot of what uh, coaches might have an issue with, if any. Um, but for Cal... But if you're coaching the, the senior national team, you know, you might want to check on the exactly. younger teams. I, I, oh, oh, listen, listen. I, I mean, and, I and, 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 if, yeah, and I think he knew what he was doing. Of but, course he knew what he was doing. I, like, but I, I, know. I knew an assistant coach one time whose son was like an eighth grader. And so he he went to like an eighth grade national camp you know, to quote, watch his son, but it was really to get access to all the best eighth graders in the country when most other Division One assistants couldn't, right? So you can you can say, hey, I'm just going to watch my son, but you're also smart enough to know the benefit of being there. And I think this is the same thing with Shashevsky and the under-19 team. You can say, I'm just going to try to make an impression on the future of USA basketball, but you also know what you're doing uh, by being there. So I think it would be naive to suggest that um, his motivation might not have been uh, multifaceted there, right? Okay, so he, he, he knew what he was doing. Uh, to me, though, like if, if, if somebody's going to complain about it, it should be like Bill Self, somebody who's never actually benefited from right. you know, coaching a national right. team. John complaining after, I mean, right. after enrolling Carl Towns <laughs> from the Dominican <laughs> team is just uh, hilarious to me. That said, let's put all that over in a box. Okay. Is there anything wrong... With people um, gaining recruiting advantages in whatever way they can, because it seems like if you want to open that box, um, you can expand it to wherever it goes. Like, okay, um, Mike Krzyzewski gets a recruiting advantage working with USA Basketball. True. Oregon gets a recruiting advantage because it's so closely connected with Nike. That's also true. Um, uh, You know, when Kentucky gets its entire Bahamas trip put on national television, yeah. That is also a recruiting advantage. When ESPN does a documentary on John Calipari's basketball team leading into the season, um, like a like a 24-7 HBO or Showtime-style documentary, that is also a recruiting John advantage. John Calipari organizing, which he rightfully can and should, this unprecedented two-day NBA scouting and, combine prior yeah. to the season. Yeah, That's I, a massive recruiting advantage. I just think there's, in, in this sport, and really in, in, in football as well, there are so many... Um, recruiting advantages that that certain people or places have over everything else that to to complain about this one is to you know it, it, i don't know it, it it's again seems a little silly because 
um, there, you know, does Kansas get a recruiting advantage based off of a close, or UCLA with Adidas, Kansas with Adidas. How about Maryland with Under Armour? You know, you don't think that's a recruiting advantage on some level? Um, you know, so, or even Auburn right now. People kept talking about, oh, Bruce Pearl signing this recruiting class without ever talking to the kids. How is this going on? He must be cheating and talking to the kids. No, I don't think Bruce Pearl was talking to any kid. You know what I think? Under Armour was really working in the corner for, for Auburn and helping in a variety mm. of ways. And so, I mean, Borzello, you know recruiting. Tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I don't think that's a question. And, and I don't think that, you know, there's a coincidence that the first kid to commit um, in this class to Auburn was Mitchell Purifoy, who was an Under Armour kid and who announced his commitment at Under Armour's Elite 24 event. Uh, you know, I, I, th- I don't think that just came about uh, randomly. I think Under Armour obviously had a hand in that. And, you know, it, I don't think Pearl was cheating to get these kids. I think, you know, like you said, I think Under Armour was kind of in the background behind the scenes, uh, you know, doing some doing some some work to get these kids. And, and that's not new. I mean, shoe companies have a, have a hand in recruiting a lot. And it's kind of come out into the public a little bit lately uh, with Antonio Blakeney's decommitment sure. from Louisville and, you know, sort of all the rumors and innuendo with that. But I think you're right. I mean, there's a recruiting advantage to, to shoe companies and, and to USA Basketball and to, you know, recruiting is, is relationships. And if Coach K just happens to uh, you know, have the relationship with USA Basketball, he should take advantage of that. That's just what recruiting is. You have to kind of ha- take take the edge where you can, and he's doing it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that's my point exactly, is that, yes, K gets an advantage working with USA Basketball, uh, but Kentucky gets an advantage having nationally televised Bahamas games, and uh, Maryland and Auburn get advantages working with Under Armour, and there are just advantages all over the country, and, and, and it – uh, you know, to isolate any one seems silly, but to not take advantage of whatever you have seems dumb. I think, yeah, well, that's a hundred percent on point. And now there was a question I think brought about by the column in which, you know, if Shashevsky is the only one gaining any sort of advantage from this, if, he, if he's the only entity that's truly benefiting from the way USA basketball operates right now, then, you know, what are we even doing here? Why is a college coach running at that? you know, running point on USA basketball. I w- what I would say the good news is Krzyzewski and, and Colangelo and I guess everyone associated with USA basketball is very happy with, with the protocol in place right now in Krzyzewski running it. And Donovan coaching the under-19 team with Shaka Smart and Virginia's Tony Bennett. So I would hope that actually, you know, when Krzyzewski steps down, which we're presuming will happen in two years here after he coaches in the Olympics in Rio, that whether it be Donovan or someone else, I actually think it's a good thing for college basketball that it's got this fusion with USA basketball and is tied to a little bit with NBA because for so many years under David Stern, there were two really entities that didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. Uh, so while one coach might benefit uh, from certain advantages of getting to run that, I actually think it's good for the prep scene, good for the 16, 17-year-olds who have you know really become – uh, a part of that, you know, culture as 16 and 17 year olds and working with USA basketball, I think it's actually better for the game overall going down the road. And uh, to have college guys be the ones that teach them, I think it makes the most practical sense and uh, it's good for the college game. Remember, uh, today's Ion College Basketball podcast is, is brought to you by Squarespace, where you can easily create your own professional website or online portfolio. Squarespace, Squarespace is constantly improving its platform with new features, new designs, and even better support. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you want some help, Squarespace has an amazing support team that works 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It starts at just $8 a month and includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year, and every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience 
that matches the overall style of your website, meaning your content will look great on every device every single time. So go ahead and launch a free trial with no credit card required and start building your website today. Again, uh, when you sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code FUN to get 10% off and to show your support uh, for the Eye on College Basketball podcast at Squarespace. Everything you need to create an exceptional website. Borzello, you mentioned Antonio Blakeney a moment ago as another kid who has um, sort of brought the shoe company uh, recruiting advantage into the national spotlight, or at least into the Louisville spotlight. For folks who don't know, a consensus top 25 player in the country uh, committed to Louisville 11 days after that, decommitted, and um, suddenly had a list of, of four other schools that he was going to visit. It was Kentucky, Missouri, Oregon, and LSU. Uh, Antonio Blakeney is a kid that spent his summers playing for a Nike-associated and funded basketball team. Louisville, of course, is an Adidas program. There's some thought, and I imagine it's spot on, um, that uh, Nike officials uh, at some level were upset that Antonio Blakeney would commit to an Adidas school without visiting Nike schools and and used influence, either directly or indirectly, uh, to, to get him to decommit, and now he's going to visit uh, four of the most prominent Nike-affiliated schools there are. Uh, Borzello, I'll start with you. There's, there's no doubt that Nike played a role in this decommitment, is there? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any question because Blakeney, when he committed, I think it was 11 days or 13 days before he decommitted, he said that he'd want to go. To, he knew he wanted to go to Louisville for two or three months, and suddenly he had a change of heart in the two weeks after that. I don't think that just came about randomly. I don't think he woke up and said, "Well, you know, I made a commitment too soon." You know, I think that the the fact that he played for Nike team and he's been you know quote unquote Nike kid forever, um, it played a huge role, and I, you know. There are Nike kids that commit to Adidas schools all the time, but not when they just take one visit and don't look at any Nike schools. And I think that, um, you know, maybe Nike, not, it's not like the head of the CEO of Nike came and sure. called Antonio Blakeney. Or, you know, I just think that they're, you know, they're the Nike reps that said to, you know, his circle said, you know, maybe you want to take a couple of trips to, to Nike schools. I think that would be better. And, uh, you know, Louisville is not going to recruit the kid again. I think that ship has sailed. Um, they're moving on to other targets. They were, and, weren't, Borzello, weren't they like, the biggest school in on him the earliest so what like this was like a long time coming that they were thinking and hoping they would land him right yeah i mean they were the favorite for a while and then kentucky got involved and kentucky and lsu were sort of in there so it's not like nike schools have never recruited him it's not like you know louisville was you know a late comer to the party um you know i think if if he visited five schools and decided to go to louisville i think you know there wouldn't have been a huge issue but you know now he's not going to go to louisville and the four schools left on his list are all nike schools and all big time nike schools so you know, to to say that it didn't play a role, uh, you know, is going to be, you know, I think that's it's naive and kind of short sighted. I think it definitely played a role, and you know, he's going to end up at a Nike school at the end of the day. Norlander, is that pro- is that troubling on any level, or is it just, hey, this is this is part of the deal? You know, shoe companies are going to um, create relationships, some of them personal, some of them financial. Um, with with some of the best prospects, many of the best prospects in the country, and um, if they use their influence to to guide a prospect to a certain type of school, a Nike affiliated school or an Under Armour affiliated school or an Adidas affiliated school, um, then that's just the way it's going to go. And just so we're clear, it, it, though Nike is the biggest and baddest. Um, this isn't unique to Nike. I mean, I, I think a lot of people always assumed Shabazz Muhammad was going to end up at UCLA because, mostly because it was an Adidas school and, and Shabazz was a, quote, Adidas kid. Uh, Purifoy, the, the class of 2014 prospect who 
um, committed to Auburn. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, without ever really speaking at length with Bruce Pearl, um, you know, he was an Under Armour kid. Auburn's an Under Armour school. So this stuff goes on. Nike's just the biggest and baddest. Is that troubling or is that just part of the game? Uh, I mean, from an inside baseball, quote unquote, uh, perspective, it's part of the game. And, you know, Borzello and plenty of guys that follow the sport uh, from the recruiting angle constantly um, it's not really a shocking revelation, and in a lot of ways, they wouldn't consider it a big deal. From a pure standpoint, yeah, it's kind of kind of troubling when the shoe company can kind of turn the sails of the ship like that. And I think, you know, with Blakeney, it got some sort of bump. Uh, but to me, for this to ever have any sort of uh, change, if it's even needed, you'd need like a top three recruit that a lot of people really knew. And if, if something like this happened, like if it was, you know... Just you know, if it was a Jabari Parker, that kind of that kind of uh, level of a kid, and this had happened, I think it would be a massive story, at least within college basketball. With Blakeney, it was a blip one day, and we kind of move on, and it's going to happen again. It's a little bothersome. I mean, I, I'd like to uh, I'd like to believe that a lot of kids would be able to choose a school based on you know the the traditional things like wanting to go there or just absolutely debilitating pressure from their mother and father or, or just a really hot chick they saw on a visit. You know, those really exactly. pure reasons for, for going to a college. But the fact of the matter is with a lot of kids, yes, it's dominated by the shoe companies because they play for the AAU teams, which are paid for by the shoe companies. And so within that, there is uh, an implicit expectation or at least pressure that when they're going to pick a school, it doesn't always happen, but plenty of times it's, you know, you, you know, you played for Adidas for, you know, six years uh, that we funded the AU programs you've been on. And as you go to college, you know, you might want to consider this, this, and this, because you know what, they're all Adidas schools are really good places. So that does happen. I uh, wish it didn't happen as much, but it's just a fact of the matter that until there's any sort of major kind of prospect and there's a serious controversy around it, I just think this will kind of be business as usual going forward. Well, there was Josh Selby a few years ago who was, um, I guess, considered one of the top five, if not the number one recruit in the country, he was committed to Tennessee, which was an Adidas school. And though he ultimately signed with Kansas, which is also an Adidas school, um, you know, I reported back then that it was uh, Nike, specifically uh, William Wesley, um, who was loosely connected with Nike, who uh, sort of initiated that decommitment. Um, and, and that was de Nike definitely, again, it, at least indirectly played a role in, in that one. And so, um, again, Nike is the biggest and baddest. This has been going on for a while, um, but, but it's not unique to Nike. Under Armour tries to get done what it can get done. Adidas tries to get done what it can get done. Um, I think the bottom line is mostly it is just it's part of college basketball recruiting. Whether we like it or not, it ain't changing because <clears throat> there is no real way to change it. How are you going? You know, the NCAA has a hard enough time policing, you know, um, uh, assistant coaches. You, you I mean, to me, as long as shoe companies run these tournaments and run these sure. AAU teams, it's impossible to really say that they're not going to have a hand in recruiting because they're sure. paying they're paying these kids to go to LeBron camp or you know Adidas teams and Under Armour teams so until that changes which I don't think it ever will because you know there's just too many teams and too much money uh, Way involved too much money. Yeah. you know it's 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 just going to keep it's going to keep getting bigger and bigger and it happens more than just Blakeney like we've said sure. this is just sort of the first time that a lot of casual recruiting fans are really seeing it in action uh, yeah right i mean that, that yeah that's a, it was a slow week for college, for college right. basketball because it's September, and then it was it was Louisville, and then suddenly and Kentucky. you get yeah. Kentucky. Yeah, so it becomes a big story in in the state of Kentucky because it's Louisville and Kentucky 
uh, both involved. For for people who are a little bit un, unaware of of the dynamics of of Antonio Blakeney's new list, it is Kentucky, uh, you know, possibly alongside North Carolina and Duke, the most prominent Nike affiliated school. It's Oregon, which is Oregon, and it's all its Nike connections. It's Missouri, which has Tim Fuller on staff, who used to like literally work for Nike, and uh, and then it's LSU, another prominent Nike school. So like his list. I think that was the other aspect of it. Like the the schools that he decided to to visit, they there there's nothing regional about them. It's just it just basically screams Nike, 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 Nike. You know, what without a doubt. But what kind like for anyone listening, Borzello, like this Blakeney kid. Well, who would you compare him to if they get for those who haven't seen him? And we you know we're talking about him on a podcast and how this decision uh, created some waves. I mean, who would you who would you say his game reminds you of? Um, shit, I hate comparisons. Um, <laughs> you hate them. I do. I because they're just. So but it helps. Ugly. It helps listeners kind of at least establish something in their mind of what they. He's a, he's a he's a very good, not great yeah. player, right? I mean, that's yeah, what he I is. mean. Like he's gonna score. He's not like a point guard. He's not a great shooter. He's like a six two, six three, really good scorer. Like you know, like a little bit bigger Monte Ellis, like athletic and can score. But he's not gonna be like a you know, a top five NBA draft pick that's going to be an all-star in the NBA. He's a, he's a five-star kid in this class, and he's a big target for Nike. And that's just, you know, that's what it is. And it's, it's you know, he's he's going to be the biggest, I guess, name that is publicly being a shoe company war, basically. And, you know, mm. he's really good. He's not a, a you know, a, a once-in-a-generation player or anything like that. All right. There's again. It's September, so there's not a whole bunch of news and notes going on with college I just, basketball. I love. I love that we're talking again, guys. It's, I, it's great I, to hear I just wanted to speak with you. So, like, uh, let's go through some news and notes presented by Squarespace. One story over the past couple of weeks that I, that I did thought, think was interesting was Texas suspended uh, sophomore Martez Walker literally within minutes of him uh, being arrested or processed for uh, what was a domestic dispute on campus with. Um, someone described as his girlfriend, and I couldn't help but think um, a couple of things. One, um, the release from Texas came at 1.47 a.m., which was 20 minutes after he was processed, which uh, was obviously in the middle of the night for most people, and that um, is the first time I can ever remember, especially a college basketball program in the offseason, feeling like something couldn't, quote, wait till the morning. Like, they, 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 they wanted to get out in front of this, even if it was in the middle of the night. So the email came from Texas SID Scott McConnell in my email, um, you know, in my inbox at 1.47 a.m. Um, I think this is very clearly, undeniably, um, a response to uh, living in a post-Ray Rice inside the elevator video world. And, I, I, I you know, I really do think that, that is, that that that's where we're at now. Um, you know, but people always talked about a pre nine eleven world and a post nine eleven world, and I'm not trying to compare one to the other. Uh, but that that seems to be recognized as a moment where things change, and in in sports or specifically with domestic violence, I do think there's a pre uh, pre Ray Rice inside the elevator video world and a post Ray Rice inside the uh, uh, elevator video world, and I I, I we've seen. You know whether it's Jonathan Dwyer in in Phoenix in the NFL and and even Adrian Peterson in a different case um, deal with with Greg Hardy uh, clearly deal with harsh punishments um, in, in even though if their issues would have happened maybe a year ago or even three weeks ago they wouldn't have I think it trickled down to the college level here and and Martez Walker 
let me be clear, deserves everything he's getting. You know, he, like I'm not trying to uh, defend him in any way. Kick him off the team, ban him from school. It doesn't matter to me. I'm not here to defend that guy. Uh, but I can't imagine Texas re- is compelled to announce his disassociation from the program in the middle of the night if not for the fact that we're living in this post Ray Rice inside the elevator video world. Is that just the world we're in now? And is are college basketball players and football players now on notice? What you might have used to get a two-game suspension for or a, you know, we'll handle it internally thing for, a high major program can't afford um, public relations-wise to handle it that way. You have to take these things seriously. And if you if you get caught in a domestic dispute now, uh, you're going to pay a real, real, real price. Yes. Um, I think uh, people understanding the real definition of due process is the new people understanding the real definition of free For, speech. Yep. Uh, due process just means you're not behind bars. That's basically all it means. Uh, you get accused of something, we don't lock you up. You get your due process to have a trial and have a judge or a jury determine uh, if you did wrong, what that was, and what the punishment will be. It doesn't mean you get to continue working for your employer uh, or playing for your team or whatever it is, because a lot of these accusations can be so heavy um, that they deserve pause and, and some serious thinking. And by the way, I mean, you, Parrish rattled off a few. There was uh, somewhat of a big one that's kind of been forgotten about since Ray Rice, but it's still in play, and that was... Um, the uh, the Missouri receiver, right, Doriel Beckham, Green Beckham, who wanted yeah. to play at Oklahoma, sure. he got accused of uh, pushing a woman down the stairs. He and then the NCAA said, "You're not playing this year. He's not even eligible at Oklahoma." So we've had a lot of these situations. How about this? I, how about this? Would Oklahoma even try to enroll exactly. him? If, yeah. If at this point, at, like like if the Ray Rice inside the elevator video would have posted back in I don't know May. Would Oklahoma or anybody else, even high profile, try to enroll Doriel Green Beckham? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think yeah. you can. I don't think you can enroll uh, an, an, an accused domestic, uh, a, 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 an accused abuser of women. I don't think a high major program, a high profile program like Oklahoma. I don't think you can even enroll that guy right now. Don't think you can. Yeah. Um, and it's obviously like this is the most hypersensitive time, but really like. When it comes to abusing women, yeah, I don't, I don't mind if this animals, is, is, like, if this it should always be hypersensitive. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't mind if this is the sensitivity to it forever. Like, <laughs> it's like this is how it should be. I mean, if you're if you're accused of of abusing women or something like that, it's just you know there there should be stiff penalties and a stiff reaction to um, you know what you did. Yeah, that's why I I didn't get Roger Goodell's press conference on Friday for a variety of reasons. But it seems like if he really wanted to make an impact. As people are preparing him on Ray Rice, he could have said, listen, I've already said, which he did say, he said, I've already said we got it wrong on Ray Rice, but why not expand that to, you know what I've realized over the past two weeks is that we got it wrong on everybody forever. Yeah. We've forever gotten it wrong on this. And and I, I can't go back in, in time and change all of those, but I can tell you we're not going to get it wrong again. And and if nothing else, uh, though I wish we could have avoided all of this, that... that um, we're going to learn from it, and we're going to be better because of it. And um, so we can keep talking about Ray Rice forever. But the truth is we've got – we as a league have gotten it wrong on this. And we as a society 
have gotten you could have actually like turned the you know oh, uh, you, you could have turned the, the spotlight on everybody and said you know who else has gotten it wrong on this major league baseball and the nba <laughs> and yep. like how about hamed hadadi like i live in memphis right the grizzlies had two players in the past year and a half two years get arrested on domestic violence charges, Hamed Adadi and James Johnson, and it was barely a story. Like, it just did not matter, you know? And so, like, you could you could have been Roger Goodell standing up there the other day and saying, listen, everybody has gotten it wrong on this forever, and we're the ones, uh, you know, sort of in the crosshairs now, and, and, and we deserve it. Um, but we're now going to be the leaders on this. And, and I encourage, you know, uh, the NBA and Major League Baseball and Major League Soccer and the NHL, everybody, let's start treating this the way it should have been treated all along and learn from this. this. I think Goodell could have could have actually scored some points going that direction. And yet, uh, for whatever reason, he, he, he didn't. But I, I do think that, you know, this being a college basketball podcast, to bring it back to college basketball, Martez Walker is the first example of somebody paying the price for this post Ray Rice inside didn't, the elevator. Didn't he court. also? Didn't Marcus Walker get arrested like three days later? Yeah, yeah he was. Like, like, yeah, like he was banned. So he's not helping. He's not helping his case. He out. was not allowed on campus to be in the dorms, and he was in the dorms, and so he got he got booked on that, and it just just being stupid. I will say this is keeping it within the college realm, um, whether it be domestic violence accusations of rape, rape in general. This has been a fairly consistent, uh, sadly, a fairly consistent problem and issue uh, pretty much forever. I mean, you could look at any given year at college basketball and college football players, and by the month, like clockwork, there is at least one case in each sport where you would have some sort of accusation of, of a domestic violence or an accusation of rape. It Unfortunately, one, it happens a lot. And two, you know, as they always say, you know, there's only a small percentage of of women who are victims in these cases, even reporting them. Sure. You know, they say it takes sometimes five or six incidents for a woman to even leave their abuser. Um, so it's a massive issue. And I think now we're going to be thankfully uh, more acutely aware and sensitive to it. And so if uh, a basketball player like the Oregon thing was obviously so huge, like uh, and rightfully as it should have been. But I think. Now, going forward, if we ever have situations like this, um, we're going to appropriately react and, and it's not going to be such uh, a tiny, you know, sidebar of a story when you've got uh, clearly an issue with, with men abusing women uh, across this country. And not just in sports, inside of sports, but obviously sports can be a microcosm for, uh, for what's happening there. So it's not just the NFL that has the issue. I mean, college sports, you've got, listen, I mean, you've got 19, 20-year-old horny guys who are drinking, who are in fine physical shape. It's, unfortunately, it's an incubator for a lot of bad behavior. Well, I knew we couldn't get through the uh, podcast without Norlander talking about horny college guys. Norlander, what's your experience <laughs> with horny college guys? And would you describe yourself as one? Uh, in a former yeah, life, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> uh, would, you, would you not describe yourself as one? Nah, man, I, was always, I always had my head together. Uh, okay, well, there we go. Um, listen, man, I'm just waiting for my water to get turned back on, oh, okay? I almost forgot in the comments. I'm in squalor. I'm in squalor over here. Brush your teeth. In talking about Mike Krzyzewski and John Calipari and Antonio Blakeney and Jim Beheim, I almost forgot that you uh, you have no water nor and you haven't brushed your teeth either. 
I think I'm gonna. I, my gym's like a two-minute drive from my house. So I'm gonna go shower at the gym and brush my teeth there, like I'm living in a freaking dorm room, and uh, and just take it back to college. And I was a horny young kid. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get out of here for no other reason than so Matt Norlander can go brush his teeth. Uh, and remember, uh, we appreciate you being here, CBSSports.com, listening to the podcast, uh, reading what we write, uh, interacting on Twitter. Remember, subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. It's on iTunes. Make sure you do that. It's the quickest way to get your hands on the latest podcast, iTunes. Go subscribe. It's free, and uh, we will talk to you again real soon.